Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. A reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. The word of God for the people of God. If those of you in the children's choir actually want to come back up and stay with me for a minute, it's your time. And any other kids who are here want to make your way down and join me up here, please do. And if you're worshiping from home and want to move a little closer to your screen, this is our moment together. So now that you're sitting up here, as you come up, you can look out. Look how many people are out there. Wave to everybody. Isn't that wonderful? What a wonderful group of people we have today. And thank you all who are in the choir for singing. That was just beautiful. Come on up. Welcome, welcome. Hi there. Welcome. Oh, I'm so glad to see you this morning. Oh, I forgot. I have something fun I want to show you. Today, as you probably know, is a very, 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 very special day in the life of our church because it is our birthday. Today is West End's birthday. And I have a hat that has the date that West End was born. Can you read that? 1873. Do you know that in 1873, there was no electricity? No cars, no, no computers, no. no no cell phones, no Daniel Tiger. Can you imagine life without Daniel Tiger? I know. It was a long time ago. It was 150 years ago. That's a long time. So there were people who gathered together and started praying and formed a church together. 
and they helped other people join the church and told other people about God's love in Jesus. And then children were born and new generations grew up until oh, what started with 20 people in 1873. Look out at all these beautiful faces who are worshiping today. And that is God's work among us. So we have a lot to celebrate and be thankful for today. So what is one song that we usually sing when someone has a birthday? Happy CJ? Birthday. Happy birthday. So let's sing happy birthday and we'll say happy birthday, dear West End, okay? Ready? Hey, y'all do it too, all right? Let's sing it all together, ready? Everybody knows this song. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear West End. Happy birthday to you. Yay. And what else do you usually get at birthday parties? Cake. cake. So if you come back at 2 o'clock this afternoon, you can have some cake. I hope you'll come back. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for the long history that this church has and for the many, many ways you have loved us and helped us to grow and shown us the way to follow Jesus. We thank you for all these beautiful children and the church that they are even now and the church that we will be in the years ahead if we continue to love you and follow you. Thank you for a day to celebrate. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, three, four, and five-year-olds can go with Pastor Maggie to Children's Church, and everyone else can go back and sit with parents or friends. Three and a half. Three and a half. Oh, thank you. Oh, I love the hugs. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this makes me so happy. Thank you, Grace. That hat is actually from Vanderbilt. <laughs> Rob Bigelow gave it to me because they too are celebrating their sesquicentennial year this year. Wow, my heart is full. What a joy it is to celebrate this day with all of you and how humbling it is to be the senior pastor of this congregation Especially in a moment like this, 150th birthday of a congregation like West End. It was 2018, I think, when Reverend Jackie Sojourner, who is one of our beloved church family members, came to me and said, we need to start thinking about the 150th. <laughs> she was chair of, of archives and history at that point. She has since passed away. But we had lots of conversations about how to celebrate this moment in the life of the church. And as I've been praying about it and thinking about it and working with our 150th steering committee, we thought one of the things we wanted to do was read through the Bible together this year to place the story of West End's history and God's history at West End alongside God's history with God's people in the scriptures. And so we've been doing that. We started with Genesis in January. And so as I prayed about and thought about what text we might need to hear today as we gathered for this great celebration, I knew we were going to be in the letters of Paul. 
but technically we should be in the book of Galatians. So if you were here last week, you know that Shannon preached from 1 Corinthians, and that would land us next in Galatians. But as I shared with the Sunday school class this morning, Paul's kind of angry in the letter to the Galatians. (laughs) He has a bone to pick with them. He sort of fusses at them. It's one of the most beautiful uh, descriptions of grace and what grace is all about. And we'll talk about that next week. But I just thought we didn't want to be fussed at by Paul on our birthday. So we'll talk about Galatians next week. Senior pastor privilege. I flip-flopped and put us into Philippians this morning. Because of all of Paul's letters, Philippians is his love letter to the church. It is a letter filled with joy and gratitude and encouragement You can tell in this letter that Paul loved the church in Philippi. He loved all of the churches he helped to start, of course. But Philippi, I think, had a special place in his heart. And so it seemed right and appropriate and good that we would hear these warm, loving, encouraging words of Paul as we gathered as a church today. And what's more, specifically, there is one verse in those that Davis has read for us that really speaks to a moment like this. When Paul says to the Philippian church, I am convinced that the one who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion. He's speaking to a church that's on a journey. They had a beginning. God began something in the city of Philippi. And over time, God has continued to work in them and work on them and work through them to increase their ministry, to increase their witness to the gospel, to increase their love. And they're still on that journey. And they're going to continue to be on that journey until the day of Christ Jesus. But Paul is confident that God will continue that work. And he calls them to be faithful. So what better way for us to think about our calling as the church than to hear these words of Paul, this encouragement that God who began a good work in you, West End, 150 years ago, will be faithful to bring it to completion. So how did the church in Philippi start? How did God get that church going? Well, Paul and Silas and Timothy were traveling through the Mediterranean world preaching the gospel. And one night, Paul had a dream, a vision from God. It was a man from Macedonia who said to Paul, please come and help us. It wasn't really what Paul had planned to do or where he had planned to go, but he knew it was from the Holy Spirit. And so he and Timothy and Silas went. It was their first foray into what we now consider Europe. They go to Philippi, which is a a coastal city, a cosmopolitan city, a Roman part of the Roman Empire, very sophisticated place, a place where the Roman gods are worshipped in the marketplace. And there is apparently not a significant Jewish population because there's no synagogue. That's usually where Paul would start. But instead, he and his companions go just outside the city gate and they find a group of women praying there by the river. Now, we don't know much about these women or what their beliefs were at that point, but they begin to engage in conversation. And over time, some of them come to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And a woman named Lydia and all of her household are baptized, which is very unusual 
that a woman is named head of a household. We learn that she is a dealer in purple cloth. She is a woman of significant wealth, most likely. And so she starts the church in her home, and she becomes one of Paul's faithful and generous patrons. We see in other parts of the New Testament how the church in Philippi was, was one of the most generous that could help support the ministry of Paul and others to spread the gospel. The other part of the Philippi story is Paul and Silas get thrown into jail, and the jailer ends up being converted. So the first members of the church in Philippi are Lydia, this wealthy dealer in purple cloth, and a jailer and his household. And these are the people who begin to live out and spread the gospel in Philippi. Paul goes and visits them a few more times, we find. But the letter is written from prison, probably in Rome, and there's an awareness that he may not see them again. So as I think about the the origin story of Philippi, there are some echoes in the story of West End's beginning. This is a congregation that was given birth by McKendry, United Methodist Church. That was the mother church in Nashville, downtown, still down there. But somewhere along the way, someone was given a vision by the Holy Spirit that as the city of Nashville was beginning to grow, that there needed to be a Christian fellowship shaped by the Wesleyan way, the Methodist way, to bear witness to the love and grace of God in this new part of town. And so they started a little fellowship of about 20 people who met in an abandoned Civil War barracks. Can you imagine that moment in history? They first started meeting in 1869 in a a land, in a city ravaged by war and all the devastation there. There was a vision to start a church based on the gospel of grace. And so they began to meet at 16th and Broad, where the Subaru dealership is now. A few years later, they had grown big enough to become a freestanding church. So that's the day we celebrate, uh, 1873. October 15th, y'all, exactly 150 years ago, was a Sunday, their first Sunday worshiping as a freestanding Methodist church. Again, over time, they grew, their witness grew, their faith grew. A few decades later, they felt the call, they had the vision to move a little further to this place, this property where we are now. It was, some of the land was given actually by the uncle of Woody Sims, if some of you remember uh, Woody Sims. He told me the story about how his uncle was actually a member at McKendree and was pretty reluctant about it, but the gift was made. And the congregation discerned that it was, they needed to build the education wing first. So this part of the building where the Sunday school classes are, Scales Chapel, all of that was built first. It was consecrated on a Sunday in October in 1929. And two days later, what happened? The stock market crashed and the Great Depression began. And so the dreams of building this sanctuary immediately on the heels of that building were crushed. But nevertheless, God continued the good work that God had began, and God inspired this congregation and worked through the generosity and sacrifice of this congregation to raise enough money to build this space, a space that points to the awe and reverence of God, 
a space that is offered as a holy sanctuary to our city, a space where children could be baptized and confirmed and where the people of God could pray our prayers and sing our hymns and come in times of grief and in times of joy to have marriages and memorial services and celebrate all of life together as a congregation. And they made those sacrifices and those gifts. There were even some who put their wedding rings in the offering plates as they went by. So that in 1940, on March 10th, as Will shared, they consecrated this building. 1940, only 11 years after the stock market crashed, 11, 12 years. God continued the good work of this congregation and it continued to grow and shape people in the faith of Jesus Christ and they continued to reach out in love and service to the world. This was one of the first congregations to host Room in the Inn for our unhoused neighbors. The Interfaith Dental Clinic got going in the lower level, building of habitat houses, all of the different ways that the people of this congregation, together as a congregation and individually, were out in this city making it more just, making it more loving, making it a more compassionate place to live and to thrive. And that work has continued in us. And that is our legacy. That is part of our DNA. Now, of course, we're like the Church of Philippi in other ways. The Philippian church wasn't perfect. It comes the closest, it seems, of all the churches that Paul wrote letters to. But Philippi, too, had its struggles, had its brokenness. There were ways that the church in Philippi failed to live up to its calling. And that is true for each and every church that has ever existed. And it's true for West End, too. This church was founded in 1873 as part of the Methodist Episcopal Church South. The bishop at the time has some very disturbing writings about race from those days. The Methodist Episcopal Church South had split from the Methodist Episcopal Church so that bishops and clergy could continue to enslave people. That's what split the church. And so that's part of our story. And it's important to name that part of our history. It is, thanks be to God, no longer who we are. But that's part of the story. We've talked and struggled over the years as a congregation about God's love and God's grace and what that looks like, and we haven't always been on the same page. In the 1960s, Ben St. Clair, who was the pastor, preached prophetically about desegregation and the inclusion of all God's people. And there was pushback, and there were people who, who wrestled with that and weren't comfortable with that. And at the same time, there were members of West End who were arrested during the sit-ins downtown in Nashville. And as a congregation, we prayed and struggled and wrestled together and came through that time with the deep conviction of the truth of the gospel. I was talking with one of our members a few months ago about her first Sunday at West End. She visited in the 80s and had moved to town as a young adult and had been visiting around at other churches and had heard a lot of sermons about with judgment and condemnation about all different kinds of things and came to West End. And that Sunday, Russ Monford preached from that pulpit and he had the boldness to address the problem of the AIDS epidemic in our community. 
And she said she was so surprised that he talked about that in, in a way that was so different from anybody else she had heard. He spoke of it with compassion. This was a disease ravaging people who were created in the image of God. And our responsibility as the church is to respond with care and compassion. And so it was in those days the people of this church formed a ministry of support to come alongside folks who were walking through the ravages of that disease. We've struggled as a congregation in different ages and generations about the full inclusion of our LGBTQ friends and siblings. And this congregation had the boldness and the courage to gather around tables in the first part of this century and talk openly and honestly about our thoughts and beliefs and understanding of God's grace. I remember as a pastor in the annual conference hearing that West End was leading the way in those conversations. And they were hard and there, were, there was loss, there were people who left and not everybody was on the same page and we're still continuing that journey but we have come through that to a space of greater grace and openness and inclusion which we celebrate together. God has continued to work in us and through us and God is going to continue that work forever and ever until the day of Christ comes. In Bible study this week, David St. Clair, whose father was Ben St. Clair and joins us every week online, said, who builds a church in the middle of the Great Depression? West End builds a church in the middle of the Great Depression and offers it to the community. Who sits down at tables and has hard conversations in love and grace? West End does that. Who continues to stay open and asking the hard questions about where God is in our community and where we're called to go and to be? Who has the capacity to change this city for the sake of Jesus Christ? West End, thanks be to God. So we've had our celebrations, our victories. We've had our struggles and our brokenness. And all of that is part of our story. As we look at God's story through the Bible, God is always working through flawed people who don't always get it right. I mean, just look at the disciples, for example. The people of Israel, how they complained and misunderstood, and all of the churches that Paul writes to, we're all on a journey together. And Paul's prayer for the Philippians is the same prayer for us. As we hear his voice from thousands of years ago, the voices of our spiritual ancestors, the voices of those who put their rings in the offering plate, who made their sacrifices to do the best they could to be faithful to build this church, saying to us, this is our prayer, that God's love may overflow more and more. The truth is, my friends, we are here today not to worship West End United Methodist Church. We're here to celebrate what God has done in and through West End United Methodist Church. We offer ourselves humbly as the people we are to God once again this day, asking that God would use us just as we are to continue to deepen our love that it might overflow more and more beyond these walls and into our community because God is faithful. 
because we are God's church, called to love and serve the God who created all of us. So in a few moments, we're going to walk through a liturgy of prayer. And it's, if you'll notice, there are four movements that are just like the four movements of worship. We begin with praise and thanksgiving. We move into a, a time of confession where we name some of those ways we have fallen short. We receive God's forgiveness and we recommit ourselves in the proclamation with our baptismal vows and the words of, of our membership vows, recommitting ourselves once again to be the people of God in this time, in this place. And then we go into the sending forth as we accept God's commission once again to be God's people in and through West End United Methodist Church. All of that will be wrapped up in the verses of the church's one foundation, which was also sung in this space on March 10th, 1940. May we feel all of the communion of the saints who have gone before us, singing with us and cheering us on. Thanks be to God. Amen.